This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, we're doing Parsh Kisisa 5780, everyone. Perak Lamid Beis, Pasuk Chav Zayin. The Pasuk says the following, Vayom Elohem, this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, the God of Israel, put each person their sword upon their thigh. Go back and forth among the gates in the camp. And each man should kill their brother, their friend, and their relative. Obviously, this is Moshe Rabbeinu speaking to Bnei Levi when he said, who's with me? Who's with me for a Kaddish Baruch Hu? Levi said, yes. And Moshe responds with these words, Hashem, this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, everybody kill their relatives, whoever is close to them. Now that's an unbelievably strange thing to say. Where did HaKadosh Baruch Hu say to start a civil war among the people? Were the perpetrators allowed to fight back? If they worshipped the Eglaz of, did they fight back? Do we see that there was a, a war back? Were there members of Shevet Levi who died in this battle? And aside from that, doesn't it seem a little bit petty I don't mean to say it this way, but doesn't it sound a little strange that the Shavit Levy should be the ones killing all of the people involved over here? Shouldn't they be tried in court and brought into Bezdin to see if there was Adim, Hasra, etc.? And if there wasn't, then let HaKadosh Baruch Hu take care of it with the Magefa. Anyway, there was a plague later. So why is it that Shavit Levy got involved so much over here? So Rashi says earlier in Parshat Mishpat in Parakhav Beis Pasuk Yitzhak that Hakadosh Baruch Hu said Zoveach Lo Elohim Yocharam. If one shechts two gods, then he should be destroyed. Moshe understood from that pasuk that that should be applied over here by the Eglah Zov. That when Hakadosh Baruch Hu said Zoveach Lo Elohim Yocharam, that applies here. Such people should be killed. And that's how Rashi understands it. That's the Koamar Hashem. Where did Hashem say it? In Parshish Mishpatim. It's one of the laws that we already learned. The Sifzit Chami says, yeah, that might be so. But where did he say that Shevet Levi should do this? Where did Shevet Levi get that warning? So the Imre Noam says, since they didn't sin, and they were witnesses to what B'nai Yisrael did, they became Adim. And the Pasuk says in Dvarim Yud Zion Zion, Yada Adim Tiyabobo Rishona. That the Adim should be the first ones to be involved. They should be the first ones to destroy somebody who did something wrong. And if so, Shevet Levi should be the ones to go up against their brothers and go ahead and do it. It's almost impossible to ask a question within the first four minutes of a year. I haven't started. We are... Two minutes, 34 seconds into a shir. So I'm not taking any questions yet. That's a Sif Sechachamim. The Ramban says this is not from that Pasuk. Since these people were Chayim Yisim and Adin, seemingly. So it's not from the actual Pasuk. It was a mitzvah given to Moshe Rabbeinu at some point that was never written down. And we see this in certain places. After all, technically, Arbe was never told over to Moshe Rabbeinu that he should go and destroy B'nai Yisrael with locusts. Uh, I'm sorry, the Mitzrayim with locusts. That was never written down. It says about certain makos that Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, tell them that this makos is coming, tell them this is makos is coming, or go do that. By Arbe, it doesn't say that. How did Moshe Rabbeinu know about Makas Arbe? Mistama, he was told, and we just don't say it. So to over here, says the Ramban, it might not say it, but it's around here. The Maskil David says, had this been an actual command from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
Moshe Rabbeinu would have added the words, Zehadavor Asher Tziva Hashem. So Rashi knew, without those words, all it says is, Ko Amar Hashem, it doesn't say, Zehadavor Asher Tziva Hashem. It's not a mitzvah. It must be that Moshe Rabbeinu did it himself. Says the Moscow of David, according to the mishpat of what the Torah would want me to do, therefore I'm telling Shevet Levi to kill these people that were over at Avodah Zarah. That's what it says. So therefore, this is what I am telling you to go do. That's the idea behind it. And I guess that's the idea that goes all the way through. Fine. But the Miyamalei says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did tell Moshe to kill them. In Shemayim, Moshe begged for the people not to be destroyed by Hashem. And he was told, fine, I won't do it. You do it instead. You kill all of those out there. Meaning all of those who were over in Avodah you're going to go ahead and kill. Instead of a Baruch Hu getting involved, he allowed Moshe Rabbeinu to do it. Even though it's not Beferish in the Pasuk, like the Ramban says. It doesn't matter. That's what it means. So the same way that the Ramban says, well, he didn't say it, but it doesn't matter because sometimes those things are done covertly and we don't always see the Pasuk that says that warning. Says the Lois, that's exactly what happened. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said it to Moshe in Shemayim and that's why he said, Ko Hashem. Now, that is a strange answer, by the way. That means that Moshe Rabbeinu already knew while he was in Shemayim that he had to kill the people. It sounds like when he came down that he was shocked. Now, I know we can learn that in a bunch of different ways, and maybe there's another way to look at it, but it sounds like he was definitely shocked by it. Then Itziv says, it could not have been commanded in a normal fashion, as a Gezerah or an Azharam of Urashas, because here's the reason why. HaKadosh Baruch Hu can command a person to die Al-Kiddush Hashem. That if somebody is saying to you, commit a Vodazara or I'm going to kill you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can tell you, die rather than be over on Vodazara. He could tell you die rather than be over on Gilead He could tell you die rather than be over on, on, on Shrikos Daman. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu can say. But this is a totally different story. As we said before, this is a weird war. He's telling them to go to war against their brothers, fight against people that they're going to put themselves in immediate danger against, and danger in the future as well. Because you never know if there's a Goal Adam who's going to come up later on and say, hey, you killed my father, you killed my brother, how could you have let that happen? If they do this L'Shem Shemaim out of their pure love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, says, the way that it's said over here by the Nitziv, they'll be protected and they will not die. But that meant you could only do it L'Shem Shemaim. If this was at Tzivoy, Tzivoy, everyone here, go out and kill your brothers, right, and take care of them, those who worship the Egel Azov. Some of them will be L'Shem Shemayim. Some of them will be bloodthirsty. Some of them are not going to do a very good job. If you made it into a mitzvah, a command, in which everyone had to follow, not everyone was going to be able to follow, that's not going to be good. That's not going to work out well for anybody. And that's why he said, Moshe Rabbeinu had to tell them, Ko Amar Hashem. Hashem says this, if you can do it L'Shem Shemayim, do it. And if you can't do it L'Shem Shemayim, then you're not going to have Siat Yiddishmaya. Don't do it. Only do it if you absolutely know everything will be okay. The Igrit Akala says when Moshe Rabbeinu was told to go down, he, because Shiches Amecha, your people have sinned, Moshe Rabbeinu was worried. He said, Oy vey, they're my people and not God's people. Does God no longer consider them his people? They're only mine. And that's why he said back to him, Lama Hashem Yechura Why are you so angry, so angry at your people? It's your nation, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Don't be angry at them. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was masking, was willing to listen to Moshe Rabbeinu's claims. And because of that, Moshe said, Ko Amar Hashem Yisrael. Therefore, he is still the God of Israel. He still wants to be the God of Israel. So even though it's Ko Amar Hashem Yisrael, it's not exactly that he's saying this is what Hashem said, but Hashem allows you to be Elokei Yisrael. It's almost if he's saying, Ko Amar Hashem. You want to hear what Hashem said? 
Elokei Yisrael. He is the God of Israel. Not that he said that you should kill each other. It's Kol Hashem. The only thing that Hashem really said is Elokei Yisrael. He's willing to be the God of Israel. Therefore, Shevet Levi, go out and kill people. Meaning up until now, we've been saying that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to go kill all the people who did the, the, the Avodah Zarah, everybody that did the Ego Azov. Now we're saying that's not what Hashem said. Hashem said, Elokei Yisrael, I'm willing to be the God of Israel. And if so, we need people going out and taking vengeance against those who did Avodah That's how the Eger Dekala says. And we'll end with this idea with the Rav Schwab. Rav Schwab brings a Tanit of Elio. Listen to this Tanit of Elio. What a weird, what a mirrored medrash. Moshe thought to himself, if I tell the Jews to kill one another, they're going to tell me Sanhedrin kills once every 70 years. They're called a Chovlanis. That's the Gemara Makos, right? A Sanhedrin that kills once every 70 years is called a murdering Bezdin. You want us to kill 3,000 people in one day? We can't do that, right? That's what they'd say. So instead, he told them, call Mar Hashem. It's Hashem. It's not me. Now what's going to happen, guys? They're not going to question it. And since they won't question it, they'll immediately do what needed to be done. You hear that, Medrash? Did Moshe Rabbeinu lie, Chas Vashon, in order to get them to kill the other people? Doesn't that sound crazy? He mamish lied. He said straight out, Right? Oh, if I say it's from myself, then they're not going to listen. I'll say it's from Hashem, and then it'll go through. Why is that allowed? And the Peshat is, says Rav Schwab, right? It must be that it's something else entirely. B'nai Yisrael had permission to judge and kill however many you need to, whenever you need. For example, Shem Ben Shetah killed 80 witches in one day. That's the famous Gemara in Sanhedrin, right? We killed 80 witches in one day because he had no choice, so he made sure that they were going to be killed. If you need it, that's called a Horas Shah. A Horas Shah means if you've got to do it, you can go ahead and do it. Since the people had never heard that before, because they didn't have Shem Ben Shetah yet, then Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't do this without being questioned. So he said for the very first time, the idea of the eponymous Koamar Hashem, of the idea of, listen, you've never heard of a Horas Shah before, but when I tell you to do something as Horas Shah, it's like HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying something. So said Moshe Rabbeinu, if I'm doing it on my own, out of my own Svara, as if it's my own thing, they're not going to listen to me. They're going to say, wait, why is your Svara better than our Svara? Why is that better than anything else? But if you tell us this is what Hashem wants, Koamar Hashem, this Horas Shah, that's the definition of Horas Shah. Then he said, okay, I get it. He didn't speak to me about this exact situation, but he understood that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted out of this situation. Yeah, Shlomo, what? That might be a little bit different from this. First of all, this is murder, right? You're telling them to murder their fellow people, and you're saying it in the name of somebody who never said it. It's God who never said it. Saying a halacha in the name of someone else who didn't say it in order for people to get that halacha cannot be compared to telling people to go to war against their brothers when it's your own idea instead of God's. That's the problem. Saying the idea of the way Rav is saying it of Horas Shah, right? It's Horas Shah. That's the definition of Horas Shah. Ko Amar Hashem. Hashem has told people to do this at times. That's definitely different. I think that's definitely different. Yeah, Mati. No, I, 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 it wouldn't be over on Losiz Hashem Elokech Loshav. Losiz Hashem Elokech Loshav only applies when you're using HaKadosh Baruch's name directly in that way. But again, if we're saying it's Horas Shah, 
it is Koamar Hashem. This is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling me, even if you use Yudke Vavke. This is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells me in a situation like this. This is what you're supposed to do. I don't think that's using God's name in vain. I think that's allowing it to be in this situation, explaining how to use it. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, according to this idea, sort of. He made sure that they would be saved, not knowing that he was going to have to go and kill them later on. But, it, I mean, if we go with the ideas that we said before, it could be that he did know, and Hashem told him already, when you go down, you're going to have to kill the people. That's the Miyamu ways. So it's possible there was something to it, but no, he wasn't davening for this. The Ramban says there was a lot of people who had served the eagle and deserved to die. They couldn't bring them all to Bayesian. And that's pretty obvious. You have 3,000 people who had served the eagle as of. You couldn't bring them all. So Moshe Venu told the Levim, here's what you got to do. You got to take on your swords. He got the Gemara and Sanhedrin. That if you can't kill someone with the Misa that you're supposed to get, in this case it was Skila for Avodah do it in any way you can so it's Saif. And that's why they did it by the sword. Now, that is a bit of a Shiloh, right? Why did he have them killed by the sword? So answer number one from the Ramban is that he couldn't kill them in any other way. He couldn't bring them to the basin because it was too many. He couldn't give them skila because it was too many. So instead, he gave them Saif. He told everybody to get the sword and kill them by Saif because there was no choice. That's answer number one. Answer number two, they deserved the sword, says the Ramban. And this is a really crazy idea because there was so many of them, it was like an irony dachas. And Irinidachas is a wayward city that worships a Bodhisattva. If you have rove of a city worshipping a Bodhisattva, rove of a city, then you don't kill them by skila, you kill them by scythe. You kill them by the sword. So he says, that's the reason why they got scythe instead of skila, because there were so many of them, even though they didn't get a warning, there was a Ross show involved in that way, right? Nonetheless, they were allowed to be killed by the sword as an Irinidachas. Now the Panam Yafos asks, hold on a second. If it's an Irinidakas, right, wouldn't they have to confiscate their money? Irinidakas, you burn the entire city down to the ground. You raise it to the ground and you take away all their money and no one's allowed to use it. So they should have taken these 3,000 men, taken all their possessions and destroyed everything they have. It doesn't say that they did that. All it says is that they killed the 3,000 men. So we asked, how in the world could that be? So he answers, this is the Panim Yafos' answer. Again, this is Dafla, the Rebbe of the Chassam Sofer. He says, the money that they got in Mitzrayim was given them on condition that they go to Eretz Yisrael. Since these guys didn't go to Eretz Yisrael, the money was then given to whoever's close to them. It was never theirs. It was, so to speak, borrowed money from the Egyptians. So they borrowed it for as long as they needed until they got to Eretz Yisrael. Since they didn't go, it was never theirs in the first place. So whoever was close to them took it. So therefore, even if it was an Irini Dachas, you didn't have to destroy their money. That's a brilliant, brilliant shot. But he says, it's still weird. Because the women, di- women didn't do Avodah right? The women weren't involved with Egel Azov. Shevet Levi was involved. Even if you say the rest of Klal Yisrael was involved, Rove of Klal Yisrael did not do Avodah at least rove. I would say, again, 3,000 out of 600,000, right? That's only, what, 1,000 to one... Am I off? Yeah, I am off. What would that be? 6,000, 600,000. It's one, two, one to... Quick, guys. 600,000 by three, divided by 3,000 altogether. That's going to be one out of what? 200, right? One two hundredth of Klau Yisrael, right? Long division. I know, it's crazy. So one two hundredth of Klau Yisrael, so you're dealing with that. You're not dealing with a huge amount. How could you claim that it's a rove? That already is a kasha that the Panam Yopos asks, and he doesn't know. The Ksam Sofer goes into this as well, but maybe 
there even were Edom and Esrael. Maybe there were. Maybe there were. The Gemara in Yuma says in Samach Vavim Abayz, there were some Edom, and there was a warning that the people went up to them and said, don't do the Eagles up or you'll be killed. Maybe they didn't know what the, what the death was because it was so new and they just got the Torah very, very recently. But nonetheless, they did that. Rashi says they did warn them not to do this. There was an absolute warning. And therefore, many of these people were Chayiv Skil after being, brun, being brought to based in front of Moshe Rabbeinu. Aaron wasn't warned. He said explicitly, Chag Lahashem Machor. He never meant for the Egel Azov to be a Bodhazara in any which way. And therefore, he wasn't worried about that. But there was actual warning. There was actual testimony that was done. And Shevet Levi was ignored by the rest of the people, and that's why they deserve to die. Again, that doesn't answer the question why they killed them by Saif. You're still going to have to go with one of those two answers. Either it's an Irani Dachas or because they couldn't kill them by Skila. But either way, there were Edom and Asra over here. Sam Sofer and Taurus Moshe says there's an issue. Normally the basin of every Shevet would judge these cases. And you wouldn't go to the automatic, the Sanhedrin. It wouldn't be in the hands of Moshe Rabbeinu himself. The problem was that everyone was suspect at this point. Because you didn't know who did Avodah and who didn't. Therefore, Shevet Levi was given that whole Rasha to go out from each curse verse in the people and then do Sayyid. And that's answer number three. Do you get what answer number three is? This was not a din of normal Klau Yisrael. It's a din of the king. Moshe Rabbeinu had the din of a melech, and therefore when he said, kill them by sword, he, they all had to kill them by the sword because somebody who's Chayav Misa for Mori Bemalchus going up against the king, anybody that's going to be killed by the king, gets Saif. And that's our third reason. Either it's an Irinidachas, they couldn't kill them in any other way, or it's the law of the king, that's what he decided over here. A fourth answer is they were killed by Saif and Atzkila is given by the Chidah. He says they could not have been judged in Irinidachas, only 3,000 people, it's impossible. They had the status of Bnei Noach until they received the Luchos and got the Torah from Shemayim. Since at the end of the 40 days, Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the Luchos, and then what did he do with the Luchos? Smashed them to the ground. He didn't give them the Luchos. They still had a din of Bnei Noach, and therefore they had to be killed by Saif. Now, there are a lot of kashas with that. You know how they always say, Shavuos, why do we have milchik food? Because they learned the halachas of Shechita on Har Sinai, and they realized, uh-oh, we have nothing. Our pots are treif. We can't shecht. They didn't know what to do at that point. So therefore, they had to eat milchiks on that day. That means they had the status of B'nai Yisrael on the day of Matan Torah. According to what we're saying right now, they didn't. They had the status of B'nai Noach. So why are we eating milchiks on Shavuos? I love cheesecake just like anybody else, but I love meat better. Why would we do that? It seems like it would be the opposite. But the way that this answer of the Chidah is saying is that it's not because of that. It's because of something else. They're B'nai Noach. And B'nai Noach, the two of Bodhizara, get Saif. The Panim Yapos brings out the name of the Mephorshim. The Ramban has an issue with Kol Mar Elokei Yisrael. I'm not going to go into that. There's a Ramban here. There's a Chavetz Chaim here that goes into Elokei Yisrael, shows how much he loves us, the same answer that we sort of gave before, and the Ibn Ezra as well, but I'm skipping that over here. Shevet Levi didn't sin at all. Then how could it say Isha Sachiv? Each man should kill their brother. Their brother from their father is Levi. Shevet Levi didn't sin. So how could it say each man go and kill their brother? That's impossible. So what does Rashi say? He says, not achiv mei aviv. It's not a brother from the father. It's achiv mei imo. It's a brother from the mother. If their mothers were previously or subsequently married to another shevet, then they had a brother related to them by their mom who was not a lady. Says Moshe Rabin, if one of your half-brothers committed a vodazara, you have to kill him. 
if it's even though it's your brother from your mother, right, still you are going to have to kill such a person. And they were praised for doing so. In Moshe Rabbeinu's bracha to Shevet Levi, he says, He told his father and mother, I don't see you. In other words, I know you're my father and my mother, but I'm not going to see you. Some say that means that they never went home. He didn't recognize his brother. When he saw that he had to kill his brother in order to take care of those who were worshipping Avodah he did it. Shevet Levi did it. That was the praise that Moshe Rabbeinu gave him because how great they were. The Meshachachma says it had to be brothers from the mother and not from the father. Because according to the Rambam, a brother from the mother is kosher le'edus, medio raisa. Medio raisa, a brother from the mother can testify for or against you in court. Achiv me'aviv, no, because they yarshin with you. You all get it? You can't have a brother from the father do it because they're no geya badavar. They're involved. If he loses the case, he loses his Yerusha. But an achiv me'imo, a brother from the mother, they have the ability to do so. They can testify what their half-brothers did wrong by the Egel Azov. That's what the Rambam says. You should know, by the way, Everyone argues on that Rambam. The Shalos Shuvis Rashba, everybody, every Rishon, every Akron. We hold Achiv Me Aviv and Achiv Me Imo are both Pasol Medio Raisa to testify for their brother. Whether it's Achim Imo, Achim Yav, it doesn't make a difference. But the Rambam seems to say it, and therefore they say that's the idea why. Says the Meshachachma, that's how it is over here. But even as it says, it's totally not necessary. When we say Shevet Levi didn't sin, it means most of Shevet Levi didn't sin. Almost all. But it didn't mean there could have been a guy from Shevet Levi that sinned. So Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't sure. So he said, if you see your brother that sinned, make sure that everything's going to be okay. Overall, the Shevet was pretty clean. Overall, Shevet Levi was pretty good. But that doesn't mean there wasn't one or two people who might have done something wrong. The Rashbam seems to say the same thing. He's a little cryptic. But that's what the Ibn Ezra says. And the Torah Moore says, there were others who helped and came to fight as well. But Shevet Levi were the only ones who were willing to kill their relatives. Everybody else stayed back and said, no, 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 I'm not doing it. I'm not killing my brother. But Shevet Levi was willing to kill their brothers. Everybody else just shied away. Yes? Yeah. Uh, no question that Omer Aviv Imo is an actual praise of what they did. That's definitely true. Well, I, yes and no. I mean, l- look at Dun's bracha. Dun's bracha is a reference to Shimshon. That's one person out of many. So yes, the bracha of a person could refer to only one person or one situation at one time. And therefore, if you saw at this time when Shevet Levi stood up and said, Mila Hashem and they got up and said, yeah. And at that point, it's Esach of Kir. Yes, that could reference a global bracha. Now, can there be multi-layers in that part of the bracha? For sure. But there's no question that that's one of the pshatim that we use as to what Vasakhav Loikir means. Well, hold on. But does Rashi say it? So good. No, that's it. Fine, but it does make sense, right? Because, again, a bracha doesn't have to refer to the entire shevet at all times. It could have, a, a, again, a microcosmic, a microcosmic meaning and a macrocosmic meaning. You could have something that's more macro and more micro. I think that's the idea behind it. The Miyam says, because Levim did everything L'Shem Shemayim, Hashem gave them Siat Shemayim. Listen to this. No one stood up to fight them. I mean, it does seem strange, right? He says, go back and forth and go fight everybody. 
you'd think that there was a massive civil war. And I started off over here by saying, were there any, any people from Shevet Levi that died? The answer is no. There was no one that was killed. They had siyatid ishmaya because they did it l'shem shamayim that no one stood up against them. The 3,000 people knew what they were, was going to happen to them. They knew Shevet Levi was coming to kill them. And they lined themselves up and allowed themselves to be killed. That is absolutely amazing. Because think about it. Certainly Shevet Levi would not have been successful if they went up against the entire Erev Rav. The Erev Rav was a huge nation. The Mechilta says there might have been one and a half million Erev Rav that were with B'nai Yisrael. There might have been one and a half million of them. 1.2, 1.4, 1.6 are the three different opinions mentioned in the Mechilta how many the Erev Rav were. Says me, I'm always, there's no way they would have won. But the Adziat HaDashmaya. There was a special little dispensation given to them by Shemayim that allowed them to do everything. And that's why the Pasuk says, Vayipol mina'am, without the vav in Vayipol. Vav yud peilamid, without the vav. Because really, HaKadosh Baruch Hu took care of all for them. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made sure they had everything they needed. And that's why it says, Kishloshes alafim, in the next part. Kishloshes alafim, ish. It says ish in a singular form. It wasn't as hard as it should have been. It should have been 3,000 people. You're gonna, they're going to be hiding. They're going to be running. They're going to be protecting themselves. And yet, nonetheless, it felt like an ish. They all stood up and allowed themselves to be killed. Shach, the Shach Torah says, since Shevet Levi acted with vengefulness, with L'Shem Shamayim aspects, when they fought against Shem versus Dina, when they saw that their sister had been taken forcibly, and they realized that Shechem had done it. So they went to Shechem and they destroyed them, L'Shem Shemayim, knowing what they needed to do, even though there obviously was a Nekama that they wanted within them, but they did it purely L'Shem Shemayim because they knew this is what they needed to do. Therefore, they acted, they were able to have the same type of L'Shem Shemayim vengeance here against their own brothers by the Egel Azov. And here's the line he says, and this is scary. He says they had to do it themselves. If they wouldn't have killed him, says the Shach, then what would have happened? The Malach Amavis would have had to do it instead. Remember how I said, why not leave it up to God? Make a Magefa, and that's that. Make a plague. Isn't that the easiest thing in the world to do? Why are you relying on Sheva Levi to do this? Make a plague and make that happen. Listen to this shot, says the Shach. If they would relied on the Magefa and the Malachim Aves, the Malachim Aves doesn't differentiate between Rishayim and Sadiqim. If the Malachim Aves comes down, some people are going to die that don't deserve to die. If Shevet Levi does it and kills the 3,000 perpetrators of the Egel Azov, then the Magefa will not go out throughout all of Klau Yisrael. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, the 3,000 are going to die no matter what. If you kill them, it'll be the 3,000 and maybe a few others. If you don't do it, then the Malach is going to be given permission and 50,000 people are going to die. And that gets to the age-old question. Are you allowed to kill 3,000 people who are high of Misa in order to save 50,000 people? Right? Maybe those 3,000, maybe not. But 50,000 people are going to be killed? Are you allowed to do that or not? Let's go with the train, right? You have that famous train question. You have a train. If you allow it to go straight, it's going to kill... 10 people. If you turn it, right, if you put the thing right there and you make it go the other direction, it's going to kill one person. Should you turn the train that instead of killing 10, you're only killing one? Or should you leave it go because you're not doing anything and it goes and it kills 10 people? I'm not getting into the halacha behind this, but it is an interesting line from the shach that he's willing 
to go ahead and kill 3,000 people with Shevet Levi. With Shevet Levi saying, because if we don't, the Magefa is going to kill way more than that. And it will be innocent people together with guilty people. Therefore, I don't want to get the Sutton involved. If we don't want to get the Sutton involved, we have to do it ourselves. And Naksav Kabbalah says it was a kapara. The Levim didn't make a macho by walking around and telling everybody that the ego was wrong. So now they have to go walk around and kill those people who had done it. This is their kapara for what they didn't do before. And that's why specifically Shevet Levi were the leaders. They were the ones who should have done this. They should have made this protest. They didn't do it. They now have to do it. They have to be the ones involved. That's Aksav Kabbalah. They're the ones who to make this vengeance happen. There's an amazing Ryakov Kamenetsky here. I'm not positive I fully understand it. Check out Targum Unculus on this Pasuk. See what he says, in which he says, Ish, uh, eno, Gavar, Gavar, and Enosh, as Ish, Ish, and Ish. There's an amazing Ryakov over here. I, I don't want to go through it if I don't fully understand it, so I'm not going to say it entirely. The Amloes in Yaakov Ruveni in number 145 quotes the Zohar that the word Kishloshes, Alafim Ish, there were around 3,000 men, hence the fact that it wasn't exactly 3,000 men. There were two magicians among the Erev Rav who were well-known and equal to 3,000 men. Their names were Yonus and Yambrus. They're also known as Yochanai and Mamre throughout the Midrashim. They are the sons of Bilam. Those two men were killed by the Eglazov. Now, I will tell you, these people find their way around everywhere. There's a medrash that says that Bilaam's two sons were with him when he went to Cush. And when Moshe Rabbeinu became the king of Cush, Jonas and Yambrus were the ones who helped Bilaam escape from Cush so that Moshe Rabbeinu wouldn't kill him. In the Yamsuf, Jonas and Yambrus were among those who chased the Jews into the sea. They flew up into the air and a hand from the sea grabbed them and threw them back down. That was the Yad Agdullah Hashem B'Mitzrayim that he grabbed them and threw them back down to the Yamsuf, that was Jonas and Yambrus. That's another opinion. And here's a third opinion, that they died right here when they were part of the Erevrad because they were the instigators of the Egel Azov. It says, they left their bodies out to rot in the fields to show others what happens when you worship Avodah Zarah. It might be that they made the Avodah Zarah out of their magic. They made the Egel Azov out of their magic. Some say it was Micha. Everybody knows that little thing with Ali Shor, the little golden petek that he threw inside. But it might have been them. They were well known as Machashim. They were the ones who said, They're the ones who said it's the finger of God. They were convinced that God was involved. They became part of the Arab Rab because of it. However, they were not convinced when Moshe Rabbeinu was gone for 40 days and they tried to take over. That's the war. And in fact, it seems like there was no war. Moshe Rabbeinu told them to kill Yonus and Yambrus and not kill the rest of Klau Yisrael. So it says, Kishlosh they only killed two people and that's it. The El Shachar points out, there's no question, they also killed other Jews. There were Jews that died over here because the Pesach said they went from one end of the camp to the other. Certainly sounds like there were Jews killed by the sword, but these two are included within there. But again, Otsar Plaus, the Torah says, they may not have been killed. It seems these were the two Na'arim that Bilam brought with him when he went to go curse Klal Bilam took two kids, Yonus and Yambrus, and they were with him, according to Targum Yonus and Benuziel over there. So it seems like they might have survived over there. The Megalia Mukos is an unbelievable safer. If you've ever seen anything from the Megalia Mukos, it's way deeper than anything on the face value. But he does say over here, that the idea of making the ego really comes from Bilam. 
Moshe told Aaron, You know the people. They're evil. The letters Bera is the same letters as Beor. Bilam Ben Beor. Beor is spelled without a vav. His Yenika, where he gets his source of Tuma, is from the letters Kuf and Resh. If you'll remember, he was hit by the donkey against the Kir, against the wall. That's Kuf and Resh. If you take Kuf Resh, that's the Gematra of 300, you multiply it by Yud, the other letter in Kir, 300 times 10 is 3,000. That makes the 3,000 people that were killed here. Okay, Ayin Shum, because the Megalimukis is way deeper than what I just said. That's just an opening right over here. It is interesting. Rabbi Yaakov says the wording is Kishloshes Alfeish, not Kishloshes Alafemish, the way I've been saying it, to hint that all 3,000 people were standing together in one area the way the Miamloi says it before. Miamloi said that they didn't want to go. He says they mamish stayed there and waited. And that's why it says Alfe, as if they were all together as Ish and that. I'm going to end with this, everybody. Everybody knows the well-known Vilna Gon on this Pasuk. He quotes the Medrash where it says, Chamisha's Bakr, Yishal and Tachzashor. Five cattle will be paid back instead of the ox. In other words, if a guy steals a cow and sells it or slaughters it, he's got to pay five times the value. If you do a sheep and you steal it and you slaughter it, what ends up happening? You've got to pay four times, right? So five times for this. It's a plea. Why is that Pasuk being brought over here by the Eglazov? And it's a famous Vilna Gon. It's understood from the Pasuk in Kohelis. It says, Adam echad of Matsasi. I found one man out of a thousand, the Isha b'cholele of Matsasi, but I found no woman among those thousand. Sounds like it's disparaging to women, right? I found a, one man out of a thousand is great, but no woman out of a thousand are great. That's what it sounds like, right? That no women are great. The real pshat is it refers to the eagle. One out of a thousand men sinned with the eagle as of. Six hundred men sinned with the Egel Azov. Not three thousand. Six hundred men sinned with the Egel Azov. Six hundred times a thousand is six hundred thousand. One out of a thousand I found. The Isha, Bechol Eile, Eile Elohecha Yisrael, these are your gods, Israel, what they said by the Egel. A woman among all the people that said Eile Elohecha Yisrael, Lomatsasi. Not one woman did something wrong when it came to the Egel Azov. Not one woman did it. And if only 600 men sinned, why did 3,000 people have to die? Because Chamisha, Bakr, Yishal, and Tachzashor. When you're pogging, you knock down the shore of the Maisimer Kava, the axe that's in the chariot of HaKadosh Baruch up above, that's a story for another time based on the Ramban, then five times you have to pay. 3,000 people of Kla Yisrael died because 600 people sinned with the Egel Azov itself. There's another, the Partizio says it was 3,000. He talks about it. It's amazing. There's a Marl Diskin over there as well. The Marl Diskin always when it comes to math. And I'm not going to go into this. I'll just tell you there's a Chavetzelos Asheron that I'm going to do as a separate shear. It's an unreal Chavetzelos Asheron. If you have the sheets, keep it. Otherwise, I'm going to do it as a separate shear. Shkayach, everybody. We'll stop with that. Have a great Shabbos.